So today I have been fortunate enough to speak to Tiffany and we got into a great conversation about Reiki but really how it's more to do with energy anatomy and it's about a healthy balance to the way we live, our life, our environment and also one of the things that Tiffany is campaigning for and trying to move forward with Reiki is for it to be taken seriously and for it to actually be placed alongside medical practices, chiropractor, all of these things, acupuncture, you know, they all have a history from somewhere and so does Reiki and it's not all just the spiritual mumbo jumbo and I don't mean that to sound disrespectfully but Tiffany makes some really good valid points of why it should be taken more seriously. Hello, welcome to the David Watson podcast. How are you? Uh, hi, David. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. I am well. I'm good, well. good. All the way from, is it sunny in San Francisco at the moment? It is sort of sunny. <laughs> it's about as sunny as San Francisco often gets. Which is a good point, because when I was in San Francisco a couple of years ago, I got off the plane and I was just like, it's wet. This looks exactly like England. I d it, it literally, I looked, I got off the plane and I was like, have I just landed in London? Because this is exactly how it looked when I left London. And yeah. I was heartbroken because I, for some reason, I had this image that San Francisco is, is California, California sunshine. California is warm, yeah. We, we, we often remark that you can spot the tourists in San Francisco because they're the ones wearing tank tops and shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and all the locals have their long sleeves on because we know. Yeah, I didn't realize it. South California, that is. Yeah. It's always yeah. hot and blue skies. So, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was a big shock to the system when I got off well, the Well, I'm lucky because I'm actually, San Francisco is <clears throat> the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm, I'm on the other side, so I've got about another 10 to 15 degrees hotter here. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, um, thank you to Karen for the introduction. Yes. And, which was very nice of her. Very nice. So, and we're going to talk about uh, Reiki again. And... But we're going to talk about it from the point of view of energy anatomy. Is that... We are. Kind of expand this, the, the conversation out a little bit than certainly yeah. people often, often do. The floor is yours. I mean, <laughs> like, literally, I mean, because I've never heard the description energy anatomy. I, I believe that. I understand that. I, I think most people tend to think of Reiki and energy healing more as a spiritual matter. So you tend to hear words that are more in alignment with that uh, kind of model of understanding it. But I'm really involved in creating something that's called the Reiki Healthcare Alliance. Uh, that's actually in the middle of being formed. And it's a group of us that have come together, including Karen, Karen James in England. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and we've come together to understand the energy healing as a healthcare as the newest branch of healthcare, because we are made up of energy. You know, we have a physical body, we have a mental body, but we also have energy frequencies and vibrations. And if we're not taking care of those, then we're really only taking care of two thirds of us. And so by 
taking it and putting it back into a healthcare position, we can start talking about our energy anatomy and how we interact with it and how we take care of it. And that really moves us forward to a different conversation around health. And, and how much of this is, because you said like two thirds of it, um, how much do you think this is affected by our emotional states? Our energy health? Yeah. Uh, quite significantly uh, affected, actually. Um, I would say if you pushed me to, to choosing that it probably has a larger effect than our physical health. But, you know, I have to tell you, that's coming out of my mouth and I'm not sure it's true. The, this, the simple truth is the whole body is a bit like a child's mobile. Right? Yeah. When you pull on, we pull on one part and everything else adjusts around it. Um, so it's all intertwined for sure. I, I think many times people's emotional imbalances, well, here's the thing, all symptoms are going to show up in the emotional, mental world of our lives and, or the physical, but not all of the causes of those symptoms show up in those places. So you may have imbalances in the energy body. The symptoms to that are going to show up emotionally, mentally, or physically, but you can't really solve them completely and thoroughly if you're not looking at the cause. And the cause might be in the energy anatomy. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because we, for the longest time now, um, medical professions will acknowledge that stress and emotions are the quickest way to get to disease, low immune system, but we don't have anything outside of verbal therapies. There are some more practical therapies, you know, but it's, it's generally counseling, some form of psychology therapist, you know, th there are, I appreciate there are art therapies like light, um, color, you know, it, it's not exclusive, but th th we don't address it with anything other than medication. It's true. And what you say about stress and emotions and health is so true. I think the World, World Health Organization, it's 70 or 75%. They're, they're talking and labeling uh, all disease and illness is 70 to 75% related to stress. And it, because another, huge. well, it, it is because that effectively in a sense, just taking their numbers, and this, you know, and this is probably a very sloppy analogy, and and you're all welcome for this. Like but sloppy, sloppy gets us there eventually. Yeah, but by that, you know, seventy five percent of you know the world's health problems are caused by stress. The, mm -hmm. If you can eliminate as much of that as possible, you're effectively making the world sixty seventy percent healthier. Oh, significantly. Uh, yes. uh, literally overnight. Yeah. But we, d <laughs> and yet we know this. But we're like, yeah, we, we just hold our hand up. We don't know how to fix it. Well, I mean, we do know it, but we know it, but there's not a lot of resources to go to to truly understand what to do about it, right? So I think if you ask most people, have they had the experience of being stared at from across some space and they can feel it without their eyes or their touch, they can just kind of feel like, what is, what is going on over there? Uh, most people, most people will say yes to that, yeah. right? Um, but then if you ask them if they, if they understand and believe and can accept and work with that they have an energy anatomy, they'll say no. And, and then this... you ask them, well, then what is your explanation for that experience? And that's where it kind of breaks down a bit. It's like we know that there's something going on, 
right? We know that it's that it happens this way, but we don't really know how to get a grip on it. And and that's where I think it's so important and why it's so important to start talking about energy anatomy, talking about energy health, because it should be as mundane, but as relevant and important as brushing your teeth, but equally equally normalized. But we know this because I mean there's there's three examples I can give. There's one is pretty much if if you're an adult by the time you reach adulthood you would have probably experienced an energy of somebody when they walk into a room and it changes good or bad most people yeah most right. people certainly have the same thing with being stared at yep exactly absolutely. right mm -hmm. we know there's very old traditions from tai chi it's it mm -hmm. all about controlling chi energy and stuff and i know it's still quite popular in scandinavia the art of grounding where you just walk outside in bare feet and and one of the things I discussed with Karen was every doctor in Western medicine will tell you that to go for a walk in nature. Yes. But nobody will talk about why. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? What does that do then? Nobody will say, well, you know, they just like, we just happen to know it makes you feel better. There's a good chance that walking through the trees or through the fields, feeling the sun, feeling the wind blowing, mm -hmm. it will make you feel better. Why? Do you know why? Do you know what I mean? But they can't tell you that. They, 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 there's never a conversation about yeah, how that. No. Right. How to connect the dots? Like, how do I get from that experience and knowing that's true to understanding what's actually happened? And and that's really my vision and what I'm trying yeah. so hard to do with the Reiki Healthcare Alliance and just having conversations about the bigger picture of energy medicine because there's gaps. There's gaps from our subjective experience to truly understanding what's happening with us and why. But, you know, there's, uh, David, there's really good reasons for those gaps. Um, some of it is, are my colleagues. Uh, we have a responsibility towards that because for most of the time, we're talking about a field of healthcare that is unregulated, unlicensed. There's not a lot of accountability. There's not consistent validation. And it's certainly not an evidence-based practice yet. No. It could, it could be. It should be. Um, that's that's also part of my vision. It should be, and it could be. But in order to do that, we have to change the way that we not only think about it, but most importantly, talk about it, right? And so that's why you say to me, I've never heard people talk about energy anatomy. And I say, yes, that's true, but let's start changing that so that those gaps can come together and those those dots can be connected so that people have more understanding and control and to your point will feel better just about overnight so because one of the things i i do find very interesting about this and and look i i, I said it on a lot part uh, the last uh, podcast i did with karen i do see i have a friend who does reiki and i do see people for reiki so i'm i'm not in a position where you're having to you know you are effectively preaching to the converted you know and <laughs> except helpful. yeah <laughs> and but helpful. <laughs> you know, um, so I, I am open to this. But one of the things I've always found interesting um, about many of these practices is humanity, or as, as we are, we can accept that people did these 500 years ago. We never investigate why the practice stopped. Mm. So at a time when they had no medical health care, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist who believes that modern healthcare and the pharma giants are trying to peel you down. No, it's, it's nothing to do that. Look up the cost of research. And you'll understand why they charge so much. <laughs> but, 
If you want to know why pharma giants are the way they are, if you want to cure a disease, start looking at the cost of research and you'll understand why they charge so much. And they are a business. But historians, everybody, it's we've never ex we know that people did these sort of things. We know it goes back hundreds of years. It's actually one of the few things we know that was from the beginning of our time. You know, there's the way people danced, the way people interacted with fire, the way people interacted with water, the way we interacted with nature. Before we started recording this, you and I were talking about Stonehenge, Woodhenge, Avery, the Ceres Circle, all of these things that actually originate from um, the beginning of humanity. And we know this. I live about two miles from some of the strongest evidence available in the world today still called Stonehenge that we used to interact with our environment. Right. Well, again, there's great reasons for that, I think. Um, you know, for all of the wonderful, effective results that people have gotten with understandings and techniques that have passed away from, from common culture, there's also been many things that people are aware of that have been quite false. Yeah. I mean, the expression snake oil is a kind of cliched expression that we all know, but it comes from a real historical experience that we've had where people have been shams and, and people have done that. And so I think there's real value in being skeptical. Uh, people ask me all the time when they come to the clinic, do I need to believe in, in what you're doing? And I say, this, the simple fact that you're asking me that question is part of the problem with having energy medicine not within our healthcare system. Because can you imagine going to the dentist <laughs> and asking the dentist, do I have to believe in what you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just an absurd thing. Um, and so my response is always the same. Of course not. Of course not. You know, this is either going to work for you and you're going to be re finding relief from whatever it, it's brought you into the door or you're not. And that should never be a mystery. I, I mean, it might be a mystery how I'm how people at the clinic are doing it. But to be honest, it's a mystery what my electrician is doing it from my point of view. No, no but that's yeah, true. I turn on that it's worked, even if I don't know how he's done it. Um, so, yeah, there's there's wonderful things that have been lost over time that very much came come through and i think that it's important that we don't feel that we have to set aside our uh, discernment our yeah. ability to validate you know there's there's a reason why things like acupuncture and chiropractic care 20 years ago was considered quackery right selling snake oil yeah yeah it was Search, right people people looked into it people uh, did the effectiveness studies and now you can get that at the most mundane healthcare level of any healthcare plan that you have that's not so relevant to you folks overseas but in america that's a big deal because yeah. we don't get access to healthcare unless it's quite validated and really if if we can start changing how we talk about ourselves and how we see the energy part of ourselves and start trying to put those connections together like how does it work when i why is it when I walk into a room, you can feel the atmosphere? Of course, some of it is physical, micro expressions, things like that, but not all of it. And how do we start plugging those things in so we have a better understanding and we can feel better? So that's going to bring me to how do you make it an evidence-based practice? Because that's your goal. So That is my goal, yeah. So that's why I've started with Reiki. Um, Reiki is a self-care system. 
and it's a self-care system like all self-care systems that you do for yourself on yourself to maintain yourself and it can really be analogous to brushing your teeth right it's the kind you know brushing your teeth is a self-care system that you mostly do for yourself at home but there is value in seeing a professional every once in a while uh, reiki is the same you know, everybody on the planet, uh, from my point of view, before they're in sixth grade, should know how to do Reiki for themselves. Because without it, it's really hard to feel balanced and, and healthy. And we can certainly talk about why later. But um, the other thing about Reiki that's so lovely is that it is, of all the techniques in healing, it is the most replicable. It is the most consistent across practitioners. So when I do Reiki or somebody at Karen does Reiki in England, it is the same Reiki. We may have different words. We may have a different environment. We may even have a completely different understanding of what we're doing. But the actual vibration of Reiki that we're using is consistent across practitioners. And, you, and it doesn't really relate too much to skill, but right? Um, in the sense that many other healing techniques are quite related to experience and skill of the practitioner. Reiki is much more of a blunt instrument, do I, you know, um, and the effectiveness of it and the impact, the positive impact of it is stunning and immediate and obvious. Well, maybe not always immediate, but it's, it's across the board the same. So my hope is to start with Reiki because we can do that internationally if we wanted to. Yeah, and to start looking at how, how that's going. And, and, and really the best way to research that is looking at how effective it is. So, because this is the interesting thing. We know that when they do medical studies, there's the, the placebo. You 50% of people are given a sugar-coated pill, 50% of people are given medication. Right. Is that kind of where you want to go to, with Reiki to, to try and get some validation for it? Or is yes, this... But... Um, the model that I have in my mind is much more how, uh, for example, for, um, for a long time I was involved in research that was looking at the effectiveness of talking therapy. Yeah. And we were comparing cognitive behavioral therapy with psychodynamic therapy once a week versus three weeks. And not just the type of therapy, but under what circumstances do these different things work best? Because it's not going to be this one is best all the time. This one is best in these circumstances. Um, and that's, that's a much better way of looking at it, right? So Reiki is effective for certain symptoms, certain conditions, um, and when is it best used, and what effects does it have if you're using it or not using it. So for example, we're actually just now starting a new project at the clinic, looking at the stress of high school students. You know, we're yeah. taping in the middle of COVID. Right. At a time when high school some high school students aren't in school at all, that's all online and Zoom and some are hybrid and some haven't seen their friends for we're coming up to almost a year now. Yeah, I know. Able to do that. So the level of stress in teenagers is woohoo. Um, so I've had a few interns that are uh, undergraduates and high school students and they're coming together to create a high school program although my stepdaughter is in middle school and she's making <clears throat> a pretty serious campaign to include that age group as well. <laughs> fair play. <laughs> she in on that. <laughs> yeah, fair play to her. Yeah, and we're going to and we're going to teach these students how to do reiki. And of course, you know, part of that will be 
giving them some testing of the level of their stress, getting them to fill out some measurements that tests the stre their stress and their anxiety. And then tracking them in this community. Let's, we're gonna get together on Zoom, obviously. We're gonna talk about Reiki. We're gonna talk to each other about how it's going. And then check in with the level of their anxiety at three, six, nine, 12 months and see how is it going? How is it going? And, and that's something that came about from the students themselves because the, the students here, the kids here that are getting their Reiki attunements and learning how to do it are seeing big differences for themselves. Is there any, are, they, are any of them able to describe the differences that they're feeling? Um, depends on the student, of course, you know, depends on how articulate they are. Yeah. But there's, there's a theme going through all of them. Um, I think uh, relaxed is, is the most common word when people experience relax, uh, Reiki. There's this kind of happening. Yeah. Uh, and I'd, I'd say 50-50 people use the word relax and some of them just do what I did. That kind of physical example that we all know what it means. Yeah. Uh, people talk about tingling, people talk about feeling uh, sleepy, but it's interesting because you can talk about Reiki the vibration and how that feels, right? And the way that you can talk about the taste of the water or how the water feels in your mouth. But then there's also the discussion on what is the effect of Reiki? Yeah. You know, what is the effect of being hydrated, right? Those are two really different conversations. Um, talking about what the vibration itself feels like is kind of sexier. It's kind of more like magic, like it's tingly yeah. and it's this, you know, like, yeah, it's novel and it's new and it's exciting. Uh, but most people who sort of settle into their practice have much more emphasis on what does it make me feel like? And what, how, when do I know that I need to do it on myself? Because remember, it's mostly self-care. Um, oh, and when do I know when it's time to seek out a professional? Right. Yeah. And so those conversations tend to be more impactful. It's things like I'm noticing that my my husband is much more annoying and I'm sure it's not him that's changed. <laughs> right? yeah. It's probably the husband. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, my tolerance for my kids noise level is getting lower. I must I need a little bit more Reiki, you know, and those conversations are actually more impactful because that's when you see a kind of sobering integration of this is normal. And, and the hope is that you can identify when you need something, right? Yeah. In the same way that you identify when you're hungry. No, that's true. So what do you think ha is happening? Do you think we are tuning out of something? It's interesting you ask that. It's a, it's a wise question. Um, that was a fluke. Pardon? <laughs> Um, we talk about the three R's of self-care for okay. Imagina. And the first one is reconnect. Reconnect. Yeah. yeah, because nothing much can happen until that happens. Um, and those things, I think everybody knows the difference between what it feels like to be connected and what it feels like to be disconnected. And you said something earlier that I think is so meaningful, which is like, we all know that. Yeah. Right. This this disconnect between we all know that, but we don't really let the penny drop on what it means. You right? can you can talk to a thousand people who will explain to you after a rough day, if they go and do sit on the woods or another 
huge favourite, especially in hypnotherapy and stuff like that. They'll place you on a beach listening to waves. Right. And a right. thousand people will say, yep, that yep. works for me. Right. right. Why? Right. Why does that work? Exactly. And then it just stops. It's just like there's no exploration of why. Right? Yeah. So the first step for us is, is taking that next step. Like, what is that really? Because that's not just a throwaway term. You're actually describing a real experience that's happening for a real reason. And you can understand it in terms of what's happening in your energy anatomy. Can I add another experience to that? Sorry to cut you off. Because oh, it, 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 <laughs> it just, how many people do we know that when they go to the beach, regardless of the weather, have to take their shoes and socks off and walk into the water? Yeah, and what that feels like. Why? Yeah, I, I have a great story about that. So I was raised in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my husband, who is from the Midwest, had never been to New York. And so off I took him uh, to go see Hamilton, actually, because he's a massive word perfect fan. So we went to New York to see Hamilton. And now remember, I was raised in New York. Right? I lived in London for 12, 13 years. I now live, you know, near San Francisco, which in comparison is a beautiful little suburb compared to the yeah. other things. But, you know, my point is that I'm a city person, right? Yeah. You know. I, I, whereas my husband is having trouble walking down the street because it's too dense. He can't work out how to pass each other, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I'm fine, right? So we walk, we're walking around and New York has these small little, uh, London does too, these small little mini parks. Yes. Right, they're scattered everywhere, right? So we're, you know, he's feeling a bit, oh, you know, it's a bit dense here and whatnot. So we go into the park and we walk across the grass. We, you know, we hop the little gate the, the little fence that's there. We actually, you know, mischievously walk on the grass. We don't even take our shoes off. 10 seconds, David, 10 seconds, I start to well up with yeah. tears. I have no idea why. I, I This is completely out of the blue. And for those that know me, this is really not usual for me. Yeah. And I'm a New Yorker. Like I'm in my, I'm home, you know, I'm not consciously having any problems whatsoever. But just standing on the grass, everything just, and I just exhaled and reconnected. Yeah. And I felt everything sort of like evaporate, you know, kind of, and it was, it was, it was such a surprising experience because it was so unexpected and especially not being home. Like, you know, as I said, I'm home, but like you say, it's just a natural thing that happens all the time. And we don't, we don't, we don't take it to the next step. Well, this is because I, I, you know, I am continually and have been all my life fascinated by what this is. Because what is it that we are either disconnected to, to disconnecting from, sorry, or reconnecting to when we do this? Right. Because well, it, I'll tell you how exciting is that? <laughs> I want answers. Well, which is, again, you know, my whole why I'm, I've got such a bee in my bonnet about this. Because until you can start talking about... Yeah. energy and energy, you can't talk about the how and the why and the, and the mechanics right um so there is well there's actually two things we're talking about one is the reconnection and one is what happens when we have our not even bare feet but just connected to uh land and, and not yeah. concrete um the connection to the concrete thing is because there is a constant communi communication between the energy of our anatomy right, which, which kind of swirls a bit, 
and a feeding with the ones around us, right? You know, so there's a lot of research that shows that plants communicate. Yeah. Right? Um, well, of course, we do as well. So as soon as you start thinking about your body, it's not ending at your skin, everything changes. Yeah. Right? As soon as you accept that you don't end at your skin, and as soon as you accept that there's all kinds of energetic vibrations that are part of what make up your physiology and your biology, then your model of how you're interacting with the world changes. And so standing on ground, standing on sand, standing too close to somebody, right? Not wanting to stand too close to somebody. Everybody understands personal space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in and, that way that when you hug somebody that's wearing too much perfume or cologne, you're kind of, <laughs> right? That, that happens in, the, in our energy anatomy. And as soon as we start wrapping our head around that, as I said, the whole world changes on how we see ourselves and how we see our interactions. So when we're on concrete, um, that, that um, flow, if you like, that, that communication with our environment, um, is a little bit more contained because there's less to interact with and are from an energy point of view, right? And then as soon as you walk on fill in the blank, that is able to stop being, you know, you know what it's like in the car when you've got the air conditioning on and yeah. you can press that button that makes it circulate inside. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then you can release that and it brings in, that's, that's the best way I can describe it, right? If you're, if you're in too much concrete, you become this. Yes. You know, and as soon as you step out of that, you're reopening and then you become more interactive with everything. And because that's a more natural state, it's more comfortable. Because, yeah, I, one of the things, I, I think it's because there's a part of me that wants to know where it comes from. Did you know what, what I mean? What do you mean by it? Can you, can you help me? No, because that's, that's what I can't <laughs> articulate. What is, what is it? Do you know what I mean? Right. Because... It's so we we know certain things. We we know these and it's accepted at science. We know the moon has a gravitational pull that effect, affects the earth. We know mm -hmm. the earth has a vibration or a frequency. Mm -hmm. Right. So anything that is on the earth is affected by this frequency. Yeah. Now, depending on where you must be, we also know that you can block frequencies. So does do cities, concrete, tarmac, buildings do they block some of this frequency? Whereas when you're in nature, does nature amplify the frequency? Of course, of course. Do you, are you familiar with um, the well-researched fact that many, most humans are uh, deficient in vitamin D? Yes. At the moment? I should say in, in our uh, industrial culture. Um, and that's because we're not getting enough sunlight. Yeah. Right. And, and there's a biologic evolutionary connection between how we create vitamin D and being in the sun for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, you've, you've helped me segue so beautifully right into Reiki because sunlight is one of the natural vibrations in the world. Yeah. Right? Um, the sound of my voice coming to your ears is another one. Light, you know, light is in, uh, there's all kinds, um, but they can be diminished. And because of sunscreen, because of buildings, because of shade, because of clothing, we're just not getting enough vi uh, sunlight. Reiki is the same. It's just another one of those vibrations that's on the planet. You know, just like all the other things that you mentioned. It's just here. And again, for a biological and evolutionary reason, our biology has 
grown together. And so in the same way that we need a certain amount of sunlight, we need yeah. a certain amount of Reiki and um, we're just not getting it. We're not able to absorb it as much as we can. And of course, depending on our lifestyles, there are certainly some cultures that are, but anybody listening to this podcast is probably in one of the cultures that is not getting enough of that. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when we say I come and see you as a practitioner and before we get to self-healing and all of that, okay, what is it you're reconnecting me to? Well, actually, uh, reconnection, the reason that reconnection is the first step of self-care is because it's actually something that's done more appropriately to yourself. It would be an intrusive and inappropriate thing for somebody else to come and do that to you. Okay. However, there are often obstacles to be able, being able to do that for ourselves, either conflicts or trauma or sometimes just mechanical uh, obstacles that are making that connection not able to happen despite yeah. best efforts. So in that case, our role would be much more about removing the obstacles so that the person can be able to do that for themselves. And, and then also teaching them how to do it if the body, the body memory has left. Um, body has memory of it because yeah. it's a natural state. But if there's enough disconnection for a long enough period of time, the body often needs to be reminded this is how you do it. Yeah, I mean, we, we have that in biology. Can we? That's how you go into keto, isn't it? You remind your body to burn fat. Right. <laughs> this is how you do that. Do this. Yeah, but, but they know because of high-carb diets that when people stop right. eating carbs, sometimes their body has struggles. And, so, and I, I've read about studies where some people, if they regularly exercise or have always been quite conservative with their carbs, they're almost in a constant state of ketosis. You know, their body can flip either way. But people who've had, especially Western diets, if they high carb diets and they're they oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to go keto or I'm going to go uh, the Neanderthal diet or the yeah, Atkins diet doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah, the Atkins diet. One of the biggest struggles they have is it can take three or four, five days sometimes for their body to switch into burning ketones. And burning body fat because it's literally forgotten how to do it. It's like, oh. Yeah, the, the body has, a, there's so, I think most of the time the body is doing that. Another wonderful example of that and, um, is the a body's ability to release something, to get yeah. something out of itself. So the best analogy that I have for that are splinters. Yeah. If you get a splinter in your hand, um, you might want to dig it out, right, for convenience and ease, but your body actually, sometimes it's too deep. And, and you know, we all know, like, well, I got to give it a few days because the body's going to bring it out. It's going to bring it up, bring it out. Bodies know how to get rid of splinters. It knows how to get rid of toxins. It, you know, it knows how to get rid of things that aren't good for it. And it knows how to do the same thing with emotions. Yes. But because, again, of how we're living, often because we're not getting enough Reiki, so we're kind of these shriveled water bottles instead of having some juice to us, um, instead of it releasing and allowing the body to release, we put it back in storage, which the body does really easily as well. Bodies are super happy to put things in storage. It knows how to do that. And if the communication downwards is, this is not a good time to do this. You have to wait. It'll put it in storage until it, we, it waits for a better time to do it. But again, there's not often a better time because people kind of live in that state. 
Yeah. And so when we do release work, that's also similar. Um, you can't go to somebody and pull it out of them. Right? No. That would be inappropriate, but you can support them to create the scaffolding that they can then do what the body does naturally, which is uh, release it and work with whatever is in the way to make it so scary to let it come up because that's that's a real thing and people often need support with with um, being be able to make that happen but it's yeah. it's true in it you, you can talk to a, any therapist any any therapist out there <clears throat> and they will talk about how if they can get somebody to talk about uh, a traumatic experience it doesn't just feel emotionally better after the session they feel physically uplifted yes and and yes. everyone yes. talks Energy splinter is not there. Yeah, and it, we everybody again, everybody will know somebody or anybody's experienced it. Will talk about how, and they use words like "I let go of it," "I released it," you know, right. the common, you know, the the common conversations that people have about how, oh yeah, I was feeling weepy and I ended up having this really good cry and I felt so much better afterwards. Right? Well, what did right. you let go? What did you let go of? Right. Yeah. Um, we are. Uh, most frequent refer professional referrals to the clinic and um, tend to be therapists, uh, acupuncturists, chiropractors, massage therapists, um, and occasionally MDs that know a bit more than than some other MDs do. Particularly for us, because they're so uh, grateful and relieved to have an access to somebody that can do this work that's more in alignment with their way of seeing things, and that's the reason why. You know, there's great benefit to having insight. That you can gain through therapy through talking therapy but it's it's really a bottom-down approach right it's the idea being that by if you can understand it if you have insight if, if you can change this that it'll kind of trickle down and the body will change and, and that's true sometimes but our work is really the reverse it's bottom up right it's let's change what's happening here which will then filter upward so as you say if you can release something that's been pushing you towards anxiety or, or getting in the way of sleeping, and you can change that here, you, it'll change up here. And so therapists that really understand that will send their clients here to do that piece of work so that that obstacle is gone and they can continue what else they're doing. Or, or many people come that say, you know, I've been in therapy for years and I can tell you exactly what's happening. I just can't change yeah. it. <laughs> like, I really get it. I really get why. I'm just... I need to shrug it off. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 that, 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 that's, that's true. My own therapist can account to that. That sometimes when we go through these repetitive cycles, it's like, I'm just trying to figure it out why I can't let go of the damn process. Right. Yeah, you, you know. You're just going to pop that cork and then you can keep going with it. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the problem, once you do then pop it, pop that cork, it's then, then comes a tsunami of other things. You're like, right. ah, <laughs> right. these, are the, these are the onion layers they talk about all the time. <clears throat> you know. But yeah. one of the things I, I've still, again, and, and this is just my curiosity and always, and has been my lifetime curiosity is, and I'm going to use the, the, the word um, energy anatomy. Mm-hmm. So what is this? You know, I, like I've already said, what is it? What is this? You're using the term energy and I'm like fascinated by what is this energy? Mm-hmm. Who, are we creating it or is it something that we, we talked about the, the earth's um, well-documented frequency? Is it just, no, when you are out of alignment with that or out of attunement with that, that affects you physically because we evolved in this 
um, spectrum of frequency that comes from the Earth, which is also coincides. No, but it coincides as well with the sun. Do you know what I mean? You know. Yeah, I love this question, and and in this way, English has failed us a little because I'm using the word energy and I'm using the word yeah. vibration slash frequency um, with a little imprecision because I don't have a better word for it, but I can break it down for you. So mm. something like Reiki, like the sun, is a frequency, right? Is it is a vibration, and and I'm calling that energy. It's an right. energetic vibration, right? Um, and it exists completely independently of us not just us personally, but us, indi- not just us individually, but us as a species, yeah. just this. And that ener- those, ener- that en- those energies have an effect on us, right? But they are independent of us. So that's not energy anatomy because that's happening out there. Right. The energy anatomy that we have is really correlates to physical anatomy. So there's systems and there's organs. Yeah. Right? Um, and just like the organ of your kidney, energy organs have a job to do, and they have an optimal state. And when they're not in their optimal state, if they're off balance, then things can begin to, to happen. And that's when you start seeing symptoms in the physical body or mentally and emotionally, right? So people, again, the prevention is if you're doing your self-care, right? If you're brushing your teeth at home, you're preventing all kinds of dental issues. You'll never know what you've prevented. No. Because you're still going to have issues, <laughs> right? No, that, you know that's actually true. Because if you have a good dental practice, if you have a good dental routine every you know, two or three times a day, yeah, you don't experience dental problems. Right. Or, or yeah. you do. But if you did, you wouldn't say, ah, oh, there's no point brushing my teeth, right? No. no. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. Um, so the most, the most common organ that people are familiar with are two, uh, the chakras yeah. and an aura, yeah. right? Um, and the, the, the aura in particular is fascinating because there's, so, you know, all energy appears on a spectrum and there's some that's measurable and some that's not. And of course, every decade, the ones that are measurable because the machinery is, is catching up, right? Yeah. You know, and there's this like little gray period in the middle where we think we're doing it, but we don't really know what we're doing, but we're doing something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so the aura has moved from we can't measure it to that gray area of, of something's happening. We're not 100% sure, and people are making all kinds of claims and trying to figure it out. But um, because now they call it a biofield, right? They're calling it. That's a true. They do call it biofield now, don't they? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, not, you know, we're not quite there yet, but here we are. So. An aura is a, a wonderful example of a energetic system yeah. because it's made up of different parts, right? That they all work together um, and they have to interact like a cardiovascular system. Um, I can also define an aura as an organ if I choose to make those parts a whole in the same way that your brain has bits, but it is a brain, right? Yeah. You know, on how you look at it. Um, and the chakras are also an example of that. An individual chakra would be an energetic organ in your anatomy. And the chakra system, where they all work together and interact, again, very much like a, very much like a mobile that you pull on them and they have to, they all like morph in a direction, uh, would be an example of a system, right? So in that way, you, it's, it's 
really my goal to make it as boring as I possibly can. <laughs> because, it, because it is fascinating. Like, the magic exists. I don't have to add magic to it. Just the, the, the beauty and discovery of finding out something so significant that makes us up and has such a big impact is magic. And an organ is a kidney or a chakra. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like you say, they... they... They have actually, like you say, they, they've stopped talking about auras have very much become the kind of area that we're trying to avoid talking about. Uh, and, and it's become, like you say, it's, 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 we talk about biomagnetic fields now. And, and it's like, oh, and actually we, we have the technology now that we can track, uh, track them and see how we interact, how external circumstances or environments can impact that field that surrounds us. Yeah. So how, how are, you, are we or how are you attracting or channeling Reiki to tune us back in? Right. Okay. So as I said, sitting here in this moment, we are both absorbing Reiki. Yeah. Because we're sitting in it, right? You know, um, we're both sitting in sunlight in the same way. You know, my, I have windows open. I don't have any artificial light on right now. I don't, I assume you're not living in a, you know, dark basement where there's no light coming in. So to whatever no. extent where we're absorbing sunlight, we're absorbing Reiki. But for all the reasons I said, it's uh, not, we're not absorbing enough. So have you ever taken a dry sponge and put it under a sink? to yes. make it wet again. And yeah, yeah. it takes a few moments, right? It takes it like the drier the sponge, the more it takes a second or two to start soaking in. So our, our bodies are kind of the same. The the lack of Reiki hydration, for lack of a better word, yeah. has turned, as I said, us into kind of The battery's flat. Yeah. So the first thing that has to happen when you learn Reiki is you have to repair that. And we call that kind of unkinking, like unkinking. Okay. That, that it flows through, the part of your, our anatomy that Reiki, the pipe, that it flows through. You've got to unkink it. Once we unkink it, just sitting here, um, you will absorb more and feel better and feel happier, right? Yeah. And then it has been connected to uh, hand, the hands, position of the hands. And so when the hands are put in a certain position, that's an active position, so it, you can't kind of do it too you have to actively do it. Um, it flows through that pipe. Yep. And then you can give yourself your Reiki supplement. So okay. just sitting here, you're absorbing more. And then when you'd like to, you give yourself a supplement and it kind of draws it and sends it through the pipe and then comes into your body. I don't know if this works for everybody, but I kind of think of it as like drag and drop. Like, you know, when you, when you yeah, 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 yeah. kind of scoop it up and then you're like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. so a rate and a Reiki supplement is is how I teach people to think about it. You you need to have a little bit every day, and if you do some today, that doesn't mean you don't have to do it. You know, just because I drank a lot of water today doesn't mean I don't have to drink it tomorrow. Yeah. No, but it's so, true, isn't it? Because people take vitamin supplements every day. People mm -hmm. take their tablets every day. It's, it's part of their routine. They brush their teeth every day. Yeah. You know, nobody yeah. forgets to eat. Nobody <laughs> forgets to eat. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you, you bring up a really very, very impactful point, which is that we have so much time and effort 
put into us by whomever is raising us to get us to recognize when we're hungry, to yeah. recognize. And, so, and many people still suffer with that. But we know when we're tired, right? We know that if we've cut ourselves, we have the ability to evaluate if that if we need to go to the emergency room or if we need a Band-Aid. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, I know many a toddler who wants to put a bandaid on a black and blue because they haven't quite conceptualized that yet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot that's gone into that. A lot has gone into that. We have nothing equivalent to that when it comes to our energy health. So the big mountain that new Reiki students have to kind of do for themselves because they haven't had years of, of, of a parent doing it. Um, is to recognize when they need more Reiki, when they need that supplement. And, and that's, a, that's an incredibly impactful thing when people start to feel, oh, I'm hungry, I should eat. Just like when people think, I'm thirsty, not hungry. Yeah. Like that, that's often for many people something they have to really figure out. It's figuring out when your energy anatomy needs that juice. Because that's and one of the... Feeling when you know you need it. No, because that's one of the first things that... I think every nutritionist will talk, talk to you about before you eat, make sure you're hydrated because you're probably just thirsty. You're probably just thirsty. And we've, many of us have lost the ability to differentiate between that. Yeah. So, so and you, when you think about how much effort has gone into us that not happening and it still happened, you can appreciate that it's not so easy to start recognizing a feeling in your body that's telling you, I need more Reiki. Yeah. How would you, so, we talked about, um, and you and I have talked about this this previously. And um, how would you like to see this moving forward? Mm. My vision, my hope, what I'm trying to do is to give people a different model of how they see themselves. That we don't end at our skin. That we are interacting with things around us energetically all the time and that that has an impact on us and to be able to take that information to the next step to begin to identify well what is that impact how do i take control over it right how do i use that to feel better either on a day-to-day -day level just so that my baseline I'm not, i don't have to have caffeine at the end of the day to feel better or in, in a more you know acute or severe acute or chronic way where I've got real health issues that are not being solved, I wonder if the cause of them is in my energy anatomy. Okay. Part of that vision, it was the, the concept for the Reiki Healthcare Alliance, because I really want to bring people who feel this way, Reiki practitioners that have Reiki businesses, uh, Reiki teachers together so that we can work together. And, and be in an alliance, be in collaboration to start teaching this way, to start talking this way, to start working together to, to gather the evidence um, and start making a movement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically, so that we can have a different view of our healthcare that incorporates this in a way that is responsible uh, and uh, helps, helps more effectively. And... <clears throat> Just so we can give some people some kind of tips and like, if if somebody says, right, okay, I've listened to these two on the podcast, I'm going to go down to the beach or I'm going to go into the woods or go into a field. What do you want them to try and do? Um, there is a there is a, 
an exercise, um, mm -hmm. that's the best word, there's a thing to do that I often give people that's also the beginning of how I teach meditation. Okay. And it's a visualization that starts with the body and uh, it uses a pendulum. And then through that connection of the visualization and the feelings in the body, it does that, um, it does that procedure of, of teaching you and showing you how to reconnect, right? Um, that is the first step. And if anybody wants, me telling it to you now is sort of pointless. You mm -hmm. need me to take 15 minutes and walk you through it. Right. Um, it's like three bucks on our website if, if anybody wants to download it um, okay. to walk themselves through it. And the, the thing about it that I love is that it is the beginning of a meditation if that's what you want. Uh, the downloads that we have on the website have a five minute, a 10 minute, and a 20 minute meditation. I think it might even have it. Because I really wanted something you could do in the car before you go to the meeting or in the car before you go to the family. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I want it to be something people can do every day, including going to the beach and having some time to yourself, right? Not, a, not everybody can sit on the beach and meditate, but you can walk down the beach. And the pendulum technique that does the reconnection, connecting that first level of self-care, you can do with your eyes closed while you're moving with practice. The, the yeah. first time you, it's, it's best to learn it, you know, alone because it's like, oh, and you have to like feel it in your body. But once you get the hang of it, you can either continue onto a full meditation or you can do it while you're sitting in the toilet in the bathroom. Yeah. You go back to work. You know, that's how it can be used. And I will put the links into the description, but just for people who are listening to this um, on audio and stuff, what is, uh, what is your website? Um, healingforpeople.com. Healing. Healingforpeople.com. People.com. Yeah. Um, the other and the other but the other thing I would say, even more simply, is trust the experience that there is something happening yeah. when you walk into a room. Trust the experience that you don't end at your skin, and just walk around living your day, reminding yourself of that, and then noticing what's happening, and see how just knowing that changes what you perceive and become allow yourself to become aware of because you're paying attention to it and allow it to start explaining your included in how you explain to yourself how you're feeling and what you're feeling and to trust that because it's true and it's actually happening okay and get a reiki unit everybody should get a reiki unit. yeah yeah of course <laughs> absolutely absolutely really everybody <laughs> but because i you know like i said i still um fascinated by how we can try and help people to explore an awareness of this well sitting here now talking to me david i'm kind of going out on a limb because we're not in the same room but do no. you have a subjective experience as, as many people do that the space in front of you has a different texture than the space behind you yes that's that's it that that's it that's your answer like what what you're telling me is that you have an experience of your aura yeah i mean i would say that i'm a poor example because i used to teach meditation and one of the things i used to get people to practice is to especially if you're sat outside um, mm -hmm. it's very useful if you're sat outside is that when you find yourself in a still place so i like my meditations to be quite active i don't like people to still their mind because uh -huh. i'm a fidgeter and you're not going to steal my mind until the day I'm dead. And do you know what I mean? So if I, people go, right, and clear your mind, 
my mind just oh, piles no, right on in. Such, I, that you you got me right on my soapbox. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. I am so there with you. So I always do active guided meditations when I used to teach them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And one of the things I used to teach people um, when they were meditating, you can just do if you're outside, especially if you're. I was sitting on a bench or if you're sitting on the grass and I don't know why I always found it helpful to have my hands on the grass and be bare feet. I think it's, it's, it's just that nature thing that I think I like. I'm kind but of to, hoping maybe after this conversation, you do know a little bit more about why you like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> but, but I'm not trying to be biased in the podcast. Cause, do you know what I mean? I, I'm already somebody that sees a Reiki practitioner. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And I've had the benefit of also talking to Karen, also having several, uh, having had several conversa- conversations with you. Um, but I, I would teach people to start listening to the birds mm-hmm. and try and pick what direction they were and what side of them they were on. And were they talking to each other or arguing? And could you pick out the different birds? Ah, oh, that's gold. Yeah, because you then start getting spatial awareness. And, and then I would get people to think of the wind, if you feel a breeze. And the question I would always ask them is, where's it come from? What's it passed through? Can you hear anything or can you smell anything in it? Has it crossed the sea? Did it go past a child holding an ice cream? Do you know what I mean? And, and then you start trying to help people connect the space, the airspace between them and the objects next nearest to them, the trees, the birds. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's it, acknowledging that 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 space or that energy, whether you like it or not, the, the air that surrounds me is connected to all the other air in the world. Do you know well, what I mean? And you and interacting with you. That that that's it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I used to teach that. So that that's why I say I'm a, probably a poor example. Of, well, can you, you... Are speaking to my heart because the reason I put that meditation guided meditation I'm talking about together. Is because I was so heartbroken by listening to clients tell me about their meditation practice. Yeah, they, they've been asked to sit down and just don't think of something or think of one thing. And it, it's kind of impossible. And I would actually say that in my experience, very confidently, that what most people are looking for from meditation, you can they're actually look need Reiki. Because one of the yes. things Reiki does takes out all the white noise out of your energetic system so that you are you and not the collective. Remember that I said about like you hug somebody, you've got perfume yeah. all over you. It gets rid of all of that. And that's what settles the mind. Thinking doesn't settle the mind. You have to get your body your and your body and your energy in a certain place. And then the mind goes, ooh, like yeah. that. It doesn't the- come from thinking something. The big shift for me in meditations, and I apologize in advance because I can't remember who taught me this. And I read it, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure I read it in a book, and I can't, I'm, and my apologies to if, the, if somebody knows who this because I can't quote them. But what they explained is that meditation isn't not thinking, it's more single thought. And they literally described how you could be playing golf as long as that's all you're focused on. That's meditation. Yeah, and so, call that yeah. And if you're reading a book, as long as you're not being, you're completely oblivious to the external environment and the world around you, that's meditation, you know? And so I would then, I took that with guided meditations and come up with my own and did my own. And, and, and I'd create experiences where you're just completely involved in exploring the environment from where you are. 
because you're not do you know what I mean? Because it's it's just single thought. You you don't have five things arguing with inside your head trying to get your attention. So here, so you asked me earlier. You know, you just want to understand it. It like I want to understand all of this, right? So let me give you some information and language to your experience yeah. from an energy anatomy point of view. Um, in the same way that your sinuses connect, and yep. your and your ears connect, like systems connect in our bodies. The same is true in our energy anatomy. And so what you're describing by asking people to hear boosts their connection to their bodies. Yeah. And so if you think of it like a scale, instead of being completely mentally focused, right, you use the hearing to bring the mind, to receive the mind a little bit and boost the connection to the body. And so what, you're, what you've been doing in those meditation exercises is giving people the crumbs to shift their energy anatomy so that they're more balanced. Okay. Yeah. Well, because... <clears throat> you didn't even know. <laughs> no, no, because I, I like that. I, I understand that because, like I say, I, I, I am a believer in these practices, you know, and there, there are, look, there's lots of examples of how frequencies work. We have it with sound. There's, there's plenty of um, examples on YouTube where people get the um, tuning boxes and bang one, place it next to another one of the same frequency, and it will start that one making it, making the same sound. You put one that's not of the same note, and it doesn't have any effect at all. So, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you get two that are of the same note, you have harmony, and if you hit one, it will make the other one vibrate at the same frequency. You know. I know so, people. Go on. Well, I was I was going to connect that to again to the energy anatomy because yeah. what you're describing works if you remember we talked about the things that are stored there yeah let's say one of the things that you've stored is guilt yeah and, it's there. and you've stored it over many years and if you just keep adding to it over the times that have happened if you're experiencing something in real time that causes you to feel guilt you're not just feeling that one time you're feeling the the volume on that is exponential because of the resonance with all the other guilt that you have in your body. And that's often people's experience when they talk about not being able to be balanced, where they feel reactive, or they have a short fuse, or they have road rage. It's because yeah. they're not experiencing real-time emotional and reactions. They're experiencing the entire cacophony of everything that's there. And so part of what energy medicine can do is by releasing the back you're just experiencing time as it is now. It won't stop you feeling guilty in this moment, but it won't have the cacophony with it and the power of it. Because they do say that, don't they, in therapy, that um, when you react to something, especially if it's been traumatic, you, you react to it in, um, mm -hmm. in, in quite a harsh way, is what you're actually reacting to is the original memory. Something happened to you that caused a reaction. You've stored that as um, a way of staying safe to protect right. you or it, you know it's like don't do that because that hurts be it emotionally or something so don't do that but then when something similar happens it's that memory is being triggered but you're just adding another layer to it that eventually creates this um so many layers you've forgotten what actually where the root of it came from right well and what i would i would say that that's a kind of cognitive therapy type way of looking yeah. at it which has value but do you remember when I said top down versus bottom up? 
Yeah. Because there are many times that people don't have the memory. Either they were too young or it was too incidental. And so in many cases, instead of being able to access it through thought, you release, you go directly into the body and release it. And then what you discover through the release at the bottom, at the bot at the body energy level is that you're not having those thoughts. Yeah. You're not having the same emotional outbursts. But also as well, I sometimes don't think that cognitively we can solve the problem because of the brain, the, the brain isn't, isn't designed to do that all the time. Sometimes the brain is just designed to say that's dangerous. Don't do it. Right. Well, you know, and our, our minds are, um, their job is to make, to have memory so yeah. that we have continuity mm. and to create patterns, but the mind doesn't have all the information. And so it's kind of cobbling things together <laughs> it, based yeah. on what it can remember. And, you know, it, it's, it's incredibly valuable for many people under many circumstances, but my interest is in the circumstances where it's not where you need to really get into the more body energy anatomy to relieve the mind so it stops trying to solve a problem that it simply can't and that's when you get spinning well because this is i mean the brain is 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 fantastic at doing the job but it, it it's trying to use logic to solve an emotional reaction and yeah. it's doing its best it just doesn't have it does it, it it literally does a great job it, yeah. it it does the most impressive job you could imagine people have no idea how good their brain is but it's but it's like trying to use a hammer to turn a screw so, so no no you, you need a screwdriver yeah. for that it's, absolutely and of yeah. course like you say so when we become emotional we affect our our, our energy our biofield but mm -hmm. which our brain isn't trying to fix that our brain is trying to understand the cause of the emotion to prevent it from happening again yeah. it's not trying to say it doesn't say Look, hey let's go and sit down and retune into our environment no the mind never says that does it no <laughs> <clears throat> well do you do you remember my my perfume analogy yeah right part of being porous right part of not ending at our skin is that if somebody is standing somewhere and they're fuming about something right? Furious. And it's all kind of coming off of them. And then they leave. Yeah. And we walk into that, that place, right? Um, we will absorb all of that. Because we are porous. Now, now we're feeling angry. And the mind is doing its job. Yeah, which is to try to understand why. So it starts rifling through our life and to find all the things that we're discontent with or aren't working well, and it will find it in order to explain why we are all of a sudden angry. What it's not going to say is, I wonder if I've just walked into an energetic field of cloud of debris that somebody else is. It's never going to say that. It's going to say, I really hate my job. I'm not making enough money. You know, I, I wish I could, whatever your ne our negative thinkings are. And that's the value of Reiki. Because it because is, isn't it? Because clean that out. Yeah, because the brain is an organ. That's not what it's designed to do. Do you know, right. no, nobody expects their stomach to pump blood around its system. That's the job of the heart. <laughs> so I mean, the brain is, isn't supposed to tune you into anything. The brain is the, the, the part of our body that thinks and subconsciously runs our body. It, right. it's, it's not designed to do anything else. Right. And it can only work on what it knows. Yeah. So when you asked me what I can do to tell people in this moment that would make a massive impact you know, obviously, please, 
please get a Reiki attunement, but just changing your ideas about how you're constructed. Because the mind that can't think to itself, oh, I wonder if somebody else's energy has infected me, infected me, affect, infected me, would be able to do that over time, right? If, if we can change our understanding of how we're built, that's a perfectly acceptable explanation to the mind if we can allow that understanding of ourselves to be as common and normal as I am wet because I am under rain, right? Once it becomes, the, once it becomes you know, the mind's looking for a multiple choice answer, right? Is it this, is it this, is it this, is it this? Once you allow energy anatomy and energy health to be part of the options, your mind will happily help you out with that and begin to tell you the difference between emotions that come from inside and emotions that are coming at you from outside. And to make, to begin that process has to start with changing how we see ourselves. Because there are other examples of this, actually, as you were saying that there Every time people buy a house, and they say it just felt right. <clears throat> they turned down 20 houses, but this one felt like home. Okay. Yeah. The other one that is very common is when people go out and they walk into a bar or they're already in a bar and a crowd or somebody walks in and they get that in. I think it's time to leave. Yeah. And then later you hear there was a problem there. Now, some people are uh, sixth sense. No, or was it? just two very different attunements of energy. And you're like, I recognize that energy. That energy is, is looking for aggression. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I, you know, people understand that when there's a natural disaster, like a tsunami or something coming, it's the birds that leave. It's the animals that leave. Yeah. That's not because they've got, they've had the information on their Twitter account, <laughs> right? Because they're feeling something changing. Um, humans have the biology to do that it's in the energy anatomy but in order to get to a place where we can do that we need to change how we allow ourselves we need to allow ourselves to see ourselves differently with value and not distaste you know it's it's it shouldn't be uh it shouldn't be something that people are embarrassed to admit that they believe that they have an energy anatomy yeah no i agree we need to change the culture around that um, because without that, we are going to continue to be a little lost in some places in our lives. So what is the work that you guys are doing at the moment? Because, um, Well, the, the clinic in California um, is seeing people for individual sessions. You know, people tend to walk in the door that have an actual problem they want fixed. Um, it tends to be things that are systemic. Right, so if you've got a bad back, you kind of want to check out the chiropractor before you come to me. Um, so things that are systemic tend to be things you can't exactly point to, right? Mm -hmm. So sleep, hormones, anxiety, fibromyalgia, things like that. You know, things systemic things are also migraines, believe it or not. Um, th things that traditional medicine doesn't do so well with, like migraines, um, hormone imbalances, perimenopause, sleep, that their only real solution is medication. That tends to be because of what we talked about previously, that the symptoms are in the body or in the mind and the emotions, but the cause of those things tend to be in the energy anatomy. So people often are struggling to find solutions everywhere. And then they come to us and they think we're geniuses. And you know, of course we are, but mostly <laughs> we're said that we're a screwdriver when you've been using a hammer this whole time. Um, or whack-a-mole. Yeah. People 
you know, they solve one problem, then it goes away and something else comes and then some, they solve that and something else comes. That's also an indication that you're not really solving it in the right place. So we do individual sessions with that. So does Karen, uh, Karen Jane's how we got connected. And we're also doing classes. Uh, we're teaching people how to do all kinds of things like this. And in the process of that is I'm creating the Reiki Healthcare Alliance with Karen to try to bring people together that have this vision. So definitely check out the website and get in touch. But depending on when you listen to this podcast, um, we may just be in the beginning stages and we are at the moment. So depending if you listen to it now or, you know, in six months time, well, but get it's interesting because we want to work with people. Well, it's good. To, like I say, I'm definitely open um, when you're up and running with the Reiki Healthcare Alliance. Is that the way yeah. I would just do another podcast about the goals of that and, yeah. how, <laughs> and, you know, and what you are hoping to bring in from that and how yeah. you want to align that along with all the other recognized medical professionals. Yeah, well, we're, we're really paused to do it. Um, when I approached Karen about it and told her my vision, her eyes kind of lit up. And, and Karen and I actually met doing this kind of research at the University of London. And so here we are 20 years later, combining the two worlds um, and just really looking for people that, that want to be part of that. And, and also wanting to, we're putting a course together that will give Anybody that wants to open up a Reiki practice, soup to nuts, information on how to do that so, and to really support them uh, that, that want to do it in this way. And also teachers that would like to get a different language and a different curriculum to teach their, their students in alignment with, with this kind of thinking, this kind of healthcare kind of thinking. How does that, no, no, that, but how does that differ from traditional Reiki teaching? Because I've never actually asked anyone that question. Right. Um, most people teaching Reiki would not be speaking to you about, well, let me back up it. So, so most people talking about Reiki say, what is Reiki? They will say that it's a Japanese healing system. Yeah. Um, if you ask them where it comes from or how it works, they'll say that it works on all levels and it comes from divine source or it comes from the universe or, um, and those, those are the most common ways to do it. And for many people, that's really helpful for them and in alignment with how they see things. But for us, it's not specific enough and it's not really usable information. Uh, so if you ask us what Reiki is, if you ask me what Reiki is, I would say it's a vibration on the planet that exists and it has an impact on the energy body, the energy anatomy. And what it does is repair, wear and tear. And then when we teach classes, we're, we're talking specifically about how it's actually changing the, changing the energy anatomy to fix that wear and tear. So th that's really the difference. You know, when you're looking at Reiki either as healthcare and part of taking care of your anatomy and something you do as a supplement to make yourself uh, sustain yourself versus a spiritual practice or even a meditation yeah. practice. Those are different things. A number of people have been looking at Reiki as a meditation practice. And that's something that really um, is not something that we're in alignment with because meditation is about a state of mind, right? It's about getting your mind in a particular brainwave activity yeah. uh, pattern that then has an influence on you. And it's an incredibly valuable practice, but it doesn't have a lot to do with your body absorbing frequencies and repairing your energy anatomy. Um, Perfect. That's yeah. 
<laughs> I love that word. Perfect is a great word. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. No, you're welcome. And that's, that's probably the, just actually before we we end the actual podcast. Um, I did. I asked slightly, but if if somebody we could you just repeat your website again? Sure, healingforpeople.com, and that's healing f o r people.com. And is there a resource on that website if people just want to learn a daily practice? Yes. Uh, the best resource is, as I said, that meditation CD, yeah. uh, because it will walk you through all of that. Um, keeping in mind that I extended it to a full meditation. So for people that just want it as a day-to-day -day walking around thing, you want the shorter version. We also have uh, three books about Reiki that we've written. I say we, uh, me and other practitioners at the clinic, that explains everything that's come out of my mouth. Um, the first one is for is called Understanding Reiki. Yeah. And it's really understand Reiki. What is it? What does it do? How does it affect you? Why is it valuable? The second one is Practicing Reiki. And that's really for people that already know about it and they want to go further. And then there's Reiki Helps You Feel Better, which is actually for kids. Oh, wow. But what we've gotten feedback is, Although it's designed for 10 to 14 year olds, a lot of adults have loved it or loving it because it's an easy sit down read. Like you yeah. can sit down and an adult can read it in 20, 30 minutes and have and know everything there is to know about Reiki in a short form. And there's some there's real value for that. Well, that, that is, you know, <laughs> well, att attention is a, a big money <laughs> consumer. Yeah. And if you just want to dip your toe in and see what it's all yeah. about, it's the yeah. perfect book for that. So. Yeah, and, and as I said, at the time of, of this recording, we are putting a lot of effort into solidifying these ideas and getting that. So the every time you check back at the website, there'll be more. There'll be more, yeah. uh, depending, as I said, when people actually listen to this. And definitely just, you know, also just email us and share your enthusiasm and, you know, your vision about what you'd like to do. And we'd love okay. to collaborate and incorporate things. Do you have anything available on YouTube or anything like that? No. <laughs> no that's <all> right. <laughs> there are videos on the website. Okay. Um, but things like this, like I'll put this on the website. So there are a bunch of those. And when I have an extra 20 minutes, I will pour it's them hard. into the video. Maybe, maybe you can give me some mentoring on how to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, it is, but it is, it's hard, isn't it? It's trying to find time to do everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's yeah, all yeah. Well, the, no, the ideas and the time available. And, and yeah. never, and never in energy balance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the clinic has been around for 20 years. Uh, you know, first it was just me as a practitioner and then I morphed it into a more integrated place. And, um, but that's always been, you know, Reiki classes, meditation classes, and, and mostly one-on-one -on -one healing. So to branch out into the bigger worlds is it's, um, you know, it's a lot of work and it's, it's it a is. work of love, but Yeah. And and the time is now, and yeah, it really is. It's so needed. It's it's been something I've wanted to do for at least ten years. I've been thinking about, and as you say, I think COVID, just seeing the level of stress going on around me, with yeah. all of us, we really need something to bootstrap us into a new place that just feels better. And so, it was very clear it was time for me to, to come forward and start talking about it. And finding out who else is talking about it this way and thinking about it this way. Yeah, and well, hopefully, hopefully we can. Um, this will help connect a few more people. That would be lovely. And and thank you for the opportunity. It's been so much fun to talk about it. 
and to have somebody who's who's interested in it in a meaningful and an informed way is, is really a gift I, uh, honestly it, it's genuinely been my pleasure it really has <laughs> thank you you're welcome and that's a great place to end